everyone. Welcome into the Inside the Alliance podcast presented by K-Squared Sports. My name is Kevin Long. With me, as always, is my co-host, Kevin Boswick. We got a great show for you guys tonight. Uh, we got a little expansion talk. We're going to talk about some of the rumors that we've heard recently about expansion in the AAF. Uh, we're going to give you a quick update on Johnny Manziel. Follow up from our discussion last week. Then we're going to move into our new all in or no dice segment. Uh, we're going to go get through game by game reactions. We're going to go through quick previews and picks against the line. We're going to give you each our locks and our underdogs of the week. So we got a packed show for you here tonight. Uh, really excited. So let's get to it here. Uh, the first topic is, is the expansion talk. So we heard some rumors this week. We heard about some cities that are being considered for potential uh, expansion teams in the Alliance of American Football. Uh, Boz, I'll toss this one to you. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that and what we're hearing? Yeah, so we saw some rumors appear over this week um, about uh, potential expansion cities. We know eight teams to start. They're going to want to add more later. Uh, the rumor eight cities right now that they've had are Albuquerque, Dayton, Des Moines, Louisville, Oklahoma City, Omaha, Portland, and the greatest city of all, obviously I'm talking about Columbus. So these eight cities were among the list of rumor, and it sounds like they're looking to add four out of these eight. So, uh, you know, no more discussion among that. And obviously uh, Bill Polian kind of put a little hush to it, but, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. So uh, what are your thoughts on those eight cities? So I think the way they've laid the groundwork here for the most part is getting the, the southern cities involved. They're the teams that, you know, you can play football in February and March and not have too much of an issue. You see, you know, the 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 one game in Salt Lake City and and it's snowing there and it's cold and it's difficult to get fans out to those games, especially when you haven't built up that fan base in a place like Salt Lake City. So my my initial reaction is get the southern cities involved. I think that gives an edge to an Oklahoma City and Albuquerque, New Mexico, even a Louisville, Kentucky. You know, I just can't imagine that there's going to be that many people in Des Moines, Iowa, or, or even Portland, Oregon that want to come out and the dead of winter to watch a, a football team play that, you know, is brand new to their city. It's, it's not the NFL. I, I don't know if I see that. I would, I would rather see them go in a different direction and try to find a few more good cities in the South, maybe look at, you know, at Austin, Texas. There's lots of places to play mm -hmm. down there. Something along those lines where, you know, you get, you get a lot of fans that, that are interested in football, they're, they're passionate about football in a place like Texas, and it's warmer weather. I think that makes a lot more sense than, than trying to go to an Iowa or an Ohio or, or an Oregon. Yeah, no, I hear you. That was actually one thing we were talking about uh, today was, um, you know, one name we actually really wanted to see on here was Charleston. We thought that would actually be a very good sports city to add uh, to that list. But I, I will say, I, I think Portland would be a great place. I, I think there is a strong sports fan base out there. And I, I really think you got to get the Rust Belt involved. They love their football up there. You know, they're craving it. They they love their college football. I think this will be a perfect time in between, you know, the end of bowl season and before spring game starts. I mean, you know, I was talking to some of my buddies today about uh, the possibility of having in Columbus and you you put that right near campus at the cruise stadium and you sell tickets cheap for students you sell beer cheap you're gonna get people out there i mean I, there's no way that they wouldn't be able to get at least 
at least fill up the crew stadium of 20 some thousand and get tailgaters on, you know, a Saturday, Sunday, people are dying to do stuff out here. So you, you forget that about the Midwest. We, we're, we're looking for stuff to do. So, you know, it might be cold, but it's nothing a little bit of a That's, little bit of beer and some sweaters can't fix. That's true, Boz. You may have never made a better point in your life. You you really have nothing else to do out there in Columbus. So you need a football team. It would be great in Columbus. I completely changed my mind. It would be the best thing to do between February and April. <laughs> You're going to get tons of fans out there because that's the only thing there is to do out there. So it'll be interesting to see where they go from here. Uh, you know, certainly some good cities on that list uh, as potential expansion cities. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do from there. And I'm excited to see that this this league is already looking to grow. We're mm-hmm. not even we're halfway through this season uh, and they're already looking for, you know, to, you know, increase their size by 150 percent here. They're, they're trying to go from from eight to 12 teams. So uh, great for the league here. Uh, really good to see that they are already looking to expand, and we hope to see more of it in the coming years. Yeah, uh, it's much better to see uh, an increase as opposed to the potential of either disbanding a team or you know worse. So definitely want to see more teams come in because that's that's how you get a league. You can't have a sustainable league with only eight teams. So the next gen- general topic we wanted to discuss here was Johnny Manziel. I know we talked about it a lot last week. Uh, we spread some rumors, maybe true, maybe not, maybe according to sources that only we have and nobody else knows about. Uh, this was mostly a Boz thing, so I'm going to throw this one to you here. What's the latest on Johnny Manziel? Is he close to working out a deal with any of these teams? What's going on with him? Yeah, so my guy might have jumped the gun a little bit, my uh, my source guy that um, only I know of. Uh, yeah, he definitely jumped the gun from last week. Uh, but there was some word from from management. Uh, I, I don't know if this was Bill Polian per se or just someone else who was uh, towards the top. But uh, they're doing due diligence right now. And they said they're about 50 percent done the due diligence because there is a legal side in terms of, you know, what did he do up in Canada? We didn't you know, there was never really full reports that got let out. Is there legal issues? Is it just, you know, he didn't show up to meetings or he went out one night. So there's all that that has to be done. But I mean, the second they can offer him a contract, they're offering it to him. And the AAF gets more ratings than the CFL too. So Manziel would, I can't see him not signing if they made an offer. I heard what Mm -hmm. it was. It almost sounds like Johnny Manziel just wanted to come back to the United States. We have one, maybe two leagues starting up in the United States where he can play right here near his hometown. It sounds like he was looking for a way out of Canada and, and he may have just found one. So I'd be surprised if, if he doesn't end up signing with one of these or in one of these teams or in the XFL. Uh, I think he was just looking to make his way back. I don't necessarily think that he did anything wrong. But again, this is all conjecture at this point. We don't know what's going on, uh, but exciting to see. Everyone would be so excited to watch him play some more football. So I hope we get the chance to see him play a little bit more. So now we're going to move on to our All In No Dice. This is a new segment that we introduced last week. Uh, so All In, just how it sounds. It's, it's a guy or a team or a group of people that we are all in. Uh, we, we believe in, we want to endorse them here. Uh, no dice is just the opposite. Somebody who, who we don't believe in so much. We, we think that, uh, 
maybe what they showed is not really who they are uh, for whatever reason. And uh, so we're going to go through that a little bit here. So uh, first, we're going to start with All In. And Boz, who are you All In on this week? So I'm All In on the the AAF ratings in general. Uh, You know, they've been hitting over 400,000. Uh, in TV ratings, as you judge, if it comes off of a, a big television show or event, how does it do? Does it lose viewers? Does it gain viewers? They came on NFL Network immediately after the NFL Combine, which we know already has that reputation and gets the viewers. And it actually grew on top of that. So that's a great sign. It's showing that people aren't just tuning in just because, you know, whatever was on beforehand. They're tuning in to see the game. So uh, on top of that, TNT actually saw how great the ratings were doing. They took up uh, just this weekend. I don't know going forward. They might be doing a test run this weekend, but they they bought up the rights to the two afternoon games on Saturday and Sunday. So, uh, again, that's going to increase ratings. Anytime you can get it on, on that cable TV is huge. Yeah, it's certainly exciting. And you're talking about this league right now is on two stations where not everyone gets to see those games, right? In the Saturday afternoon game on Bleacher Report, there's really no way to watch that game unless you subscribe to Bleacher Report Live. So impressive that they're able to get some viewers there. And then on CBS Sports, they always play one game on CBS Sports every night or, or every week. And generally, most people don't have CBS Sports in their package. They have to find a way to go find it, watch it, watch it on their or CBS Sports app. You know, you really have to make some sort of effort to watch that game. So these people aren't just flipping through, seeing a football game on. They're making a concerted effort to go find this football game. Uh, and it's really impressive the way the AF has, has had the ability to draw some people into this league here. Yeah, so, no, no, you're sorry. You're definitely right, though. And one more thing, brilliant move by Bleacher Report and CBS Sports to pick up those games, because I know they're making a lot of money from TB or from TNT selling that those rights that they own. Mm-hmm. So on to my uh, all in. I, I am all in right now on the San Antonio offense. Now, I know this team just scored 12 points, uh, but against a very stout Birmingham Iron defense, we saw them several times get stood up at the goal line. That Birmingham defensive front is just playing incredible right now. But I look at this team, and, and this team is is about a quarterback short of, of being right up there with the Orlando Pauls. This is one of the best teams in this league. I see Kenneth Farrow. He is the best running back in this league right now, getting 30 carries a game. I'm sorry, 30 carries in the last game, 142 yards. He's just tearing it up on the ground right now. I see these athletes in Mikhail McKay and Greg Ward, Demarcus Ayers. This team has a lot of weapons on offense. Just really need a quarterback to get them to get them the ball. Logan Woodside is struggling right now. He he was playing a little bit better earlier in the season, like in the Orlando Apollos game. He's just not there right now. Like we said, a guy like Johnny Manziel, maybe he takes this team to the next level. You get a quarterback in there that can really get these guys the ball, even just an average quarterback. I think even if they signed a Matt Sims from the, uh, the Atlanta Legends, if he's not going to be starting there anymore, I think he takes his team to the next level. I, I am all in on this commander's offense. I think their their uh, their weapons on offense are very good. They just need a quarterback to be able to get those guys the ball. I, I'll tell you what, Kev. I, I was about to rip into you the second you said that because uh, – 
they've averaged 11.5 points a game the past two weeks. So I I thought you were just out of your mind and reading something wrong. But no, you got great points. They they arguably have the best running back and the best wide receiver on their team. And they bring in Johnny Manziel. They're a whole new team. Woodside just doesn't cut it anymore. And it, it, it really will make the difference. So, you know, I, I was ready to put up a fight and, and easily win it. But, I mean, I'll concede here. I, I don't really have anything on your all in. So, yeah, kudos to you. Now, the thing I will say is is their defense hasn't been quite up to par. Uh, you know, gave up 39 points in the Apollos game, and they, they obviously gave up 31 points to the San Diego Fleet the last game. So the defense needs to improve for this team. But I think this team is right on the cusp of being one of the top offensive teams. Now, granted, you're, you're looking for the key position of quarterback in order to, to get to that level, but... He's got enough weapons around him to, to make himself feel a little more comfortable. Uh, you know, maybe Logan Woodside turns it around just a little bit. This, this team has some great weapons. So I'm all in on them. I, I think they're going to do some good things throughout the rest of the year here. Not so now, bad, not bad. Who, uh, who do you got for your no dice? My no dice, this pains me to say it, as an Atlanta Legends fan myself, uh, a lot of people were calling for this guy for all all year, basically, uh, as this, this, the struggles have continued. Uh, and that's Aaron Murray. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, this team was 0-3, and this guy plays the majority of this game, and they get their first win. How, how are you saying no dice to this guy? They beat the Arizona Hotshots 14-11. to Very unimpressive from Aaron Murray's side of it. Uh, this Arizona Hotshots defense is not impressive whatsoever. We've talked about it several times on this show. They only put up 14 points, and the offense was not there for Arizona. They, they just did not have it going. Uh, you know, not a whole lot to talk of from this Arizona Hotshots defense, or, um, team. They've really disappeared over the past two weeks. Aaron Murray had 254 yards, but no touchdowns. Couldn't get it in the end zone. The rushing attack was... Okay, it was better. They were getting four yards to carry, actually. Uh, but Aaron Murray was just not quite getting it done for them. It, it, the stats looked nice on paper, but, but he didn't put the ball in the end zone. He, uh, he really just did not look like a, a top-tier quarterback that everyone thinks he's going to be. So I'm saying no dice to the Atlanta Legends and Aaron Murray. I, I don't see them winning many more games this year. I think that was one of the worst performances you're going to see from another team this year in the Arizona Hotshots in that game. No, I, I have to agree with you slightly here. Uh, so I was defending Sims. You know, I defended him last week. I was defending him all day on, on Twitter, on Reddit, on everything. I, I threw out a meme defending him. I got everything for him. But I I, I do think Murray's a better quarterback. He does have some versatility. Uh uh, in the in the running aspect, he can escape the pocket, which helps, obviously, a very poor offensive line. But, I mean, Sims has been a decent quarterback. He was top three in many categories, and Arizona's not that good of a defense. I, I think he would have had very similar, if not better, stats than Murray, uh, at least yardage-wise. And, and, I mean... He did. He did go one for one with 33 yards. Uh, all by all, although it was just a uh, you know a little screen pass or a slant pass. Um, but I, he's he's not a bad quarterback. And and like you had mentioned in the uh, all in, 
maybe he gets traded. I mean, I don't know if, if he's starting next week or if they're starting Murray, but you know, if they wanted to go the Murray route, trade Sims because he's gonna be he might be a very undervalued piece. And obviously management liked him, it just wasn't the fans who liked him. So it's you know I think when you see Aaron Murray against a better defense, you I think you're gonna get a different result. I, I just think this Arizona mm-hmm. Hot Shots defense is struggling mightily at this point and you know, Aaron Murray had a good game. I, I will say that. I can't take anything away from him. I just don't see it continuing. I, I don't see him having this kind of a performance against any other defense in this league, to be honest with you. I think the Arizona Hotshots are the worst defense in this league, uh, and he did not look all that impressive against his team. So uh, that that is why my no dice is Aaron Murray and really the rest of the Atlanta Legends team, unfortunately, at this point. So uh, with that, we're going to move on to your uh, no dice. What are you saying no dice to this week? So I'm going no dice to the Salt Lake Stallions in general. So if you hear from their fans, you hear, yeah, we're one and three, but we're the best one and three team out there. Um, obviously, they're competing against the Legends and Express. Uh, they're still one and three. They're the worst. They're tied for the worst record in the AEF right now, and they're in a very competitive West Division with three teams tied at two and two, and they're sitting in the basement at one and three. They have played great teams. You know, they played the Hot Shots twice, and they played uh, the Apollos once, and they played the the Iron the other time. And yeah, they're great teams. I think the only reason that they beat the Hot Shots is because it's very tough to beat a team t- twice in three weeks, and you know they're just not really getting it done. Yeah, they compete. But competing doesn't get you anything. This isn't college football. You don't get points for quality losses. This is a standings game. And right now, 40% of the season is over. You got to figure it out or, you know, you're going to be that team that was, you know, the next thing you know, they're going to be the team that, oh, they're a great team. They just didn't make the playoffs. And if, if they can't get string wins together and, you know, we'll see in their schedule ahead with a little bit easier schedule going forward with, uh, I believe they're playing, yeah, they're playing the fleet going forward. They got to win. That's a must win game for them. Or, you know, they, they got to, they can't keep saying they're the best one in three team. Cause that means absolutely nothing in a 10 game season. I'm, I'm going to agree and disagree with you there. So I'm going to agree that they are not the best one in three team. I, my my one and three team is the Memphis Express all the way. Big I surprise. Think, I think obviously everyone knows I think they're a lock for the playoffs, but I don't think Salt Lake's far behind them. I, I think they're a good team. I think Josh Woodrum looked better. Uh, I think their running attack has continued to look good. Brandon Oliver, Joel Buono finally got that uh, pronunciation correct. Good for you. Very good rushing attack. Uh, Kalen Clay has not shown a lot for them so far, but I think you're going to start to see him a little bit more involved in their passing attack. I think that's going to uh, continue to improve, improve, and I think uh, their defense is one of the stronger defenses in the league. You know, like you said, they they went up against Arizona when uh, they were really really hot in the beginning of the season. They they lost to the Iron. Uh, then came back, beat the Hot Shots at home, then lost this one to the Orlando Apollos, but hold them, held them to 20 points. So uh, I think that's impressive in itself. I think this is a good team. I, I think they're going to make a push for the playoffs as well. I, I think they're um, ahead, ahead really of teams like Arizona in terms of where they are right now. Uh, I, I think they might be better mm-hmm. than a team like 
San Antonio. I think they're better than the Fleet. I think we're going to see that this week. Uh, so I, I disagree. I, I think these Salt Lake fans have something to stand for when they say we're right there with all the other teams in this league. We're one of the best teams in the league, even despite our one and three record. I guess. I mean, you got to win games in this league. It, you you got to win games, and one and three just won't cut it. Yeah. Well, we will just see about that here. You know, the road gets a little bit easier for them where they're not playing some of these top teams in the league. You know, unfortunately for them, they, they met a different hotshots team in week one than they are right now. So uh, so that certainly hurt them. But we'll, we'll see how this the rest of the season plays out when they play some of these middle of the pack and, and bottom feeder teams uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks here. So with that, we are now going to move on to our game-by-game recap. So we are going to start with the first game last week, which was the Memphis Express and the San Diego Fleet. So uh, the Fleet traveled to Memphis in this one. They lost 26-23. to uh, This is a game where Zach Mettenberger finally got his first start of the year. Uh, you know, it, it was an interesting game in that, San Diego Fleet really had a chance to win this one, a better chance than uh, most of us gave credit for on this show. Um, you know, we, we talked poorly about Philip Nelson a little bit, but he actually played well until he got hurt. So uh, I think this game would have been different had Philip Nelson not gotten hurt. I actually think that they may have won this game. Uh, and now without Philip Nelson, it remains to be seen how long he's going to be out for. But the San Diego Fleet team doesn't have much else without him. So uh, Zach Mettenberger kind of took care of his opportunity. He you know, had another solid game, 18-25, uh, 174 yards and a touchdown. Nothing earth-shattering, not, not a great rushing attack from them. Um, so a win nonetheless for the Memphis Express, but uh, this is not exactly the dominating performance that I was expecting out of Zach Mettenberger. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Uh, Mettenberger had a decent game. He had a beautiful touchdown pass to McGee uh, later on in the game, and, and that might have actually been one of the best passes of the year. Uh, so, you know, he does show signs of, of continual success that obviously it's his first full game. He can grow off of that. And um, it, it really was that Memphis defense that took over. You know, they caused turnovers. They they really They really were the difference in this game. And uh, you did see the tide swing when Nelson came out. Uh, obviously, Ross came in chucking from the start. You know, I really would have expected more of a run game to happen after uh, Nelson came out. But, you know, that's not what the coaches wanted to do. They wanted to attack this defense deep, and Ross didn't really come through for them. Uh, I did have a little concern of why Ross came in over uh, Berkovicki. Obviously, week one starter got lit up and uh, eventually taken out for Nelson. Um, he's actually slated to be the starter next week. So a little confusing as to how they're going about this and what their reasoning was to bring Ross in to, to throw it all. It really doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the first couple of games, the San Diego fleet really struggled. I think they scored six points on the San Antonio commanders. And then really mm-hmm. for the first half of that week two game against Atlanta did uh, a lot of nothing until Philip Nelson uh, came into the game. So uh, he really has been a good find for them. And, and without him, 
you know, I, I don't see this team having a chance to make the playoffs. So this is a another team that, you know, someone like Salt Lake says, we can pass them. We can find our way into the playoffs. That's that's one last team that's that's in the race uh, against us if Philip Nelson is gone for any significant amount of time. There's basically a month left in the season. So uh, any time lost at this point is, is a huge blow to the San Diego Fleet team who was starting to find it a little bit. You know, they were mm-hmm. – they're almost three and one here and, and sitting pretty sitting atop that division when, when we all thought that they really didn't have a whole lot, of anything six quarters into the season here. So uh, it'll be uh, interesting to see how it works out here for the San Diego fleet. Uh, but on that note, we're going to move on to the second game of the afternoon. That was the Orlando Apollos at the Salt Lake Stallions. Another home game for the Stallions. Uh, lost this one 20-11. It just seems like there's no answer for this Orlando Apollos team. Slowed down the, the Orlando offense a little bit, but still not enough to um, take this team down. They look unstoppable at this point. Boz, what are your thoughts on this game? It really, you know, Orlando did look great, and they've definitely proven themselves above every other team. But this was Salt Lake's game to lose. You know, they're playing in their element. They got the snow. They're play- You're playing a team from Orlando in the snow, uh, and they're on the road. That should be a win most of the time. And it it, it just didn't happen that way. Uh, Salt Lake couldn't convert on third down or fourth down. Uh, they just struggled in general. Um but uh, on, on Orlando's side, I will say Gilbert solidified himself as the best quarterback in this league. It's it's without a doubt. You know, it, it was a toss-up between a couple, but it, it, Gilbert did that on the road. And, you know, it, I, I can't see any quarterback coming close to him right now. Yeah, I mean, Garrett Gilbert went 22-32, 244 yards and a touchdown. That's just kind of par for the course, if not below below average for him. Uh, he has just solidified himself as the best quarterback, like you said. He, you know he's going to come out there and have a solid game every single time. You can rely on him. This this is sort of not typical of him, honestly. He's usually better than this. And, and the fact that we're expecting that much of him just tells you a lot about his play this year and this Orlando Apollos team. Charles Johnson with another great game, nine receptions, 105 yards. Uh, this guy looks like a stud out there. He's Garrett Gilbert's go-to guy, and these guys have uh, you know, some kind of connection here, unlike anything else in this league. You know, like, we, like I said before, the Salt Lake Stallions team had, had a decent game themselves. Uh, I thought their, their defense played as well as you can, really, against the Orlando Apollos. Their rushing game is, is there. Their, their rushing game is pretty good. Uh, the pass game just, just needs a little bit more. Woodrum did well in terms of completion percentage, but needs to air it out down the field a little bit, take a few more chances. Part of that's due to the snow in this one, but uh, would like to see them start airing it out and and pushing the ball downfield a little bit. I think that's when they're going to start to see some more success. Yeah, no, definitely. And, And we saw great coaching from Spurrier here too. Obviously in a snow game, uh, you got to get the running game going, and when you have a quarterback like Gilbert who can extend the field, and and you got it, you can't load up the box against him. They're they're running back. They're you know they had three three rushers with Smith, Hunt, and Johnson just dominated and took over the game. And when you have running backs who can run all over the team because you can't load up the box and stop them, it's it's tough. It it's very tough to guard both running back 
and quarterback in that sense. So we we saw a two dimensional team that they're I mean they're proven every single aspect that they can cover right now. Speaking of Steve Spurrier, he drew up a great two point conversion play, a little, <laughs> little flip to the running back. Running back flips it over the defender's head to uh, to the wide receiver. That was Dearness Johnson. That was some great coaching by Steve Spurrier, innovative way to get a two-point conversion there. Uh, and, and that really kind of solidified this win. At the end of the day, they won this one by nine. Salt Lake had a chance late to, to drive down and make this a one-possession game, but they were, they were down by two possessions in, in the last few minutes of that game. It really was, was already a done deal at that point due to uh, that two-point conversion right there. So good job by Steve Spurrier, kind of what we've come to expect from him as a, a seasoned veteran and, and looking like the best coach in the league right now. So on that note, we're going to move on to the Sunday games. We're going to move on to the San Antonio Commanders and the Birmingham Iron. So this, basically what we expected here, a very low-scoring affair, but – the San Antonio Commanders came away with this one, 12-11 in Birmingham. First loss for this Birmingham Iron team. Kind of what you expect in terms of defense. They had, uh, I believe it was a string of six straight uh, goal line stops. That's what we've come to expect from this team. But the offense has just disappeared. It's It's gone down and down the past couple of weeks. Luis Perez is not looking like the way he did when he started this season. Uh, the rushing attack was basically what we've seen all year. You know, Trent Richardson, he still got his touchdown. Got to get those carries, touchdowns. 15 yards, kind of what we've come to expect from him. Uh, a little bit less production in this one than, than usual. He usually gets a little bit more uh, in terms of touches. Uh, but, Boz, w- what did you see in this one? So I, the quarterback play in this game was was very bad. I I think Woodside is, he's just not good. He 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 throws an ugly ball, um, and it was a dogfight the whole way. Uh, I will say, uh, Birmingham's uh, defense they're scary. They're just scary dudes. Like they, you go up against them and they're just lighting people up. They're out there looking to hurt people. Uh, great for right now. Maybe you see some regression as the season goes on. Obviously, you're going to stay fresh through four games. Are they going to keep that up in week seven and week eight? And, I mean, you can't keep every game as a dogfight. And, you know, having that pressure of having to hold a team under 10 points to win is very tough. And that weighs on a defense. I mean, I'm waiting for the one week where a team just puts up 40 on them because, you know, they're they're getting tired of Perez making stupid throws. And next thing you know, they end, the other team starts – every single drive on the 50 and it just ends up weighing on them. Um, so, I mean, and, and, and you see it too. Fans are starting to turn on Perez. Obviously we dubbed him the uh, Michael Jordan of this league and we got carried away just like every other single member of the media. But, you know, he's, 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 he's regressed back to where he is. Yeah. I, I think the thing that you see with these defenses uh, when they're on the field so much, like you said, they get worn down over the season. And especially with this Birmingham Iron team, they're not running the ball effectively. So they're not running down the clock. They're they're throwing three passes, three and out, wasting no time. And then the San Antonio offense comes right back on the field. And this team, ha- this defense hasn't had a chance to catch their breath. So uh, I think you're exactly right. 
I think we're going to continue to see this defense get worn down over the season. Uh, I think this offense is going to continue to struggle because I don't see a whole lot of weapons right now uh, on this front. And and this Birmingham Iron team may may find themselves falling out of the race and, and falling back towards the middle of the pack rather quickly. They have a game against the Orlando Apollos next week. You know, it should be a great game between two of the better teams in this league. I don't see them coming out with that one. And, and this could be the, you know, it'll be the start to a two-game losing streak. The, the wheels are starting to fall off of Birmingham. you got teams like Memphis and Salt Lake that may be on the way up. Uh, and we're just going to have to see how that one plays out. But things are not trending in the right direction right now for this Birmingham Iron team. They need to turn it around offensively in a hurry. So on that note, we're going to move on to the final game of the weekend, and that was the Atlanta Legends at the Arizona Hot Shots. This is the one we all knew this was going to happen, right? Our Atlanta Legends, absolutely. Why wouldn't they beat the Arizona Hot Shots? Go in, win 14-11 to 11 in Arizona. They were a 14-and-a-half-point dog, and if I remember correctly from last week's show, our friend Kevin Boswick had that as his lock of the week at 14 and a half. Not only did they not cover that game, they didn't even win that game. He lost by three to the Atlanta Legends at home. So, Boz, what went wrong here, man? How, how did we fall so far off the tracks? Uh, so, how did we fall so far off the tracks? So, it's tough to cover 14 and a half when you score 11 points. I, I don't think it's ever been done before. Um, now, might I remind you, I made that with the caveat that Trevor Knight is going to be starting and he's going to be airing this ball out, not John Wolford, who, I mean, he's been very good this year and he played a very average game this past week, but he did not get in that game. Trevor Knight did not come in this game. So I'm completely cleared on this. If I would have known Wolford would have uh, would have been starting, obviously I, I hit uh, Atlanta with you know with money line too i mean that's a no-brainer obviously so, so clearly this is something you're seeing here that uh trevor knight is 17 and a half points better than than john wolford essentially at on least. a game basis and they, they just don't see it they're just at missing least. it yeah at, from someone who you know even though i haven't seen practice i haven't you know scouted out that hard I know better, and you know what? Maybe they're three and one with me as a head coach. So mm. that's true. <laughs> um, that's true. Coaching ranks in the AAF: number one, Kevin Boswick; number two, Steve Spurrier. <laughs> oh God, um, no! But I did have a couple more notes on this game. So obviously, it was great to see our Atlanta Legends win, uh, begrudgingly, even past my lock. I still had to, you know, be a little bit happy for it. Uh, we touched on the the quarterback controversy at Atlanta Legends right now so i won't get too far into that uh one thing that is still concerning for the legends moving forward is they still don't have a solidified runner i mean they their running game did play a lot better but they still had a quarterback lead lead their lead lead the team in rushing with Aaron murray um i will say it was great to see denard robinson get involved and i could see him if murray if murray keeps playing quarterback i could see robinson getting more involved and almost having a dual threat uh, running quarterback option in a way. Uh, you know, we saw Robinson make a pass in week three. I could see it happening a couple more times. I'm pretty sure I saw a, uh, an option play at one point, 
Um, it, it's going to be fun to see them, you know, see see uh, how they're going to game plan. Obviously, this is still a new offensive coordinator and still a new coach in a way, too. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they're going forward. They got to get that run game going, though, to succeed, like I said last week. Yeah, it was encouraging to see them getting the running game going, averaging about four yards a carry, and, and they really seemed to make a commitment to, to continuing to run the ball. They ran the ball about 30 times in that game. Uh, the one time that I really questioned it, though, was the young Hoku fake <laughs> field goal. When you're a team that's really struggling to score points and you're going to a place like Arizona, a team that's up to this point played pretty well and you're trying to come away with an upset and, and you're trying things like a fake field goal like that, I just did not understand that. That was doomed from the start. You know, I'm from the school of thought that you take the points when you can get it, especially when you're the underdog. You know, this is not an Atlanta Legends team that's putting up touchdowns left and right this season. I think you got to take that field goal. Uh, but other than that, I, I think this was a well-played game by Atlanta. I, I thought they 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 shut down an otherwise very good Arizona offense. That's that's not something that they're lacking this year. It's really just the defense that has been letting them down. And you know, in this one, gave up 14 points to the Atlanta Legends. Not terrible necessarily. Uh, so credit to the Atlanta Legends offense for hold or defense rather for holding down this Arizona Hotshots offense. Yeah, no, definitely, and also credit Rashad Ross with probably the biggest boneheaded play of the year, topping uh, Young Ho Koo's you know missed uh, whatever fake field goal, uh, running back into the end zone to cause a safety. Uh, you know. It just kind of bad plays both sides. But, yeah, I don't know why they even tried to attempt a fake field goal. He's perfect on field goals right now. Why not take the points, go up, what was it, I think 2-0 at that time, go up 5 nothing, and, and just keep piling on points when you can. So, uh, But, you know, it's a learning curve for, for all these teams. And if they make it, then it's a top play. And, you know, maybe it's it sparks the offense going forward. So, you know, it's, it's easy to look back with uh, clarity. All right, so now now we're going to just take a quick look at the standings here. So as we sit after four weeks here uh, with six weeks left to go, we got uh, the Orlando Apollo sitting atop the league and atop the East Division at 4-0. Birmingham Iron currently sitting at 3-1. Memphis Express and Atlanta Legends round out the East Division at 1-3. The West Division a little bit more jumbled up. You got three teams in the Arizona Hotshots, San Diego Fleet, San Antonio Commanders, all at two and two, and then the Salt Lake Stallions sitting at the bottom of the West Division at one and three. So fairly tight uh, so far in the season. Now we're only four games in. Uh, but Boz, what are your thoughts on this on the standings right now, and where do you think that this is going to shake out at the end of the day with four of these teams making the playoffs? I think that there, right now there's one solidified team in the Orlando Apollos making the playoffs. You made a good point with the iron. You know, if their defense keeps, you know, grinding away and they start losing it, they could lose that grasp. Um, West Division, I don't know. It could be anyone's game. And it, 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 you have no idea. Everything's so packed tight. And I'm excited. This week we're getting all divisional games. So we're going to find out some new stuff. We're going to have no idea afterwards, too. The standings might be all jumbled up. All we know, Birmingham Iron can come out and beat the Apollos, and we're going to be lost for words and have no clue what's going on here on out. So uh, where do you see 
What are your predictions? Yeah, I agree that the Orlando Apollos are are a lock already for the playoffs. They're just playing that well. They have the stability at the quarterback position that really no other team has right now in this league. Um, I think the Memphis Express are getting there, personally. I think Zach Mettenberger is is starting to get on that level. Um, But nobody else is a lock necessarily in this situation. Like I said, I can see Birmingham starting to spiral out of control. Uh, San Diego is really going to struggle if Philip Nelson is out for any uh, lengthy period of time. Arizona, I think they turn it around at some point this year, but it's not happening right now, so it's hard to say really where they're going to shake out at the end of the day. San Antonio has been an up-and-down team. Uh, you know, Like I said, they have some pieces on offense. They just need to put it together with that quarterback play. And Salt Lake just needs to go out there and start winning some games. We, you know, they, they've had some quote unquote moral victories so far this year, playing good teams, playing them tight, uh, you know, showing that they have some ability. They just need to start putting those pieces together. Um, so the West Division, very jumbled up. I think you can, I, I could easily see Salt Lake jumping up out of that West Division. Um, not sure about San Diego without Philip Nelson. Arizona and San Antonio, I think, are going to be in it to the end. Uh, And I think you're going to see the Memphis Express shoot up, as I've expressed several times throughout this show. Uh, With six weeks to go here, I I think they take care of their business in in the last six weeks here. And I think they find themselves in the playoffs at the end of the day. Uh, possibly inching out the Birmingham iron, depending on how the next couple of weeks go here. So uh, that is the way I see this playoff picture rounding out. So moving on to our picks, we're going to do our betting lines, uh, do our over-unders. Uh, we are going to make each of these picks for each four games. So, so Boz, why don't you introduce us here uh, let the fans know how the season's going, how we did last week, uh, what's what's going on here. So we both basically followed the same trends that we've been doing all uh, all year. Uh, I did a little bit better than average, went three and five. Uh, that's that's an improvement for me. At least one three. Uh, yes. <laughs> not not um, the average person. No, no. I think the average person flipping coins would do a lot better than me. Uh, I moved to two, 10 and 22 on the year. Um, you uh, went pretty solid. You won two games completely, uh, then split the two others. You also hit on your lock and your dog, uh, both being Memphis. So, you know, winning people money there. You went six and two on the week to move your record to 22 and 10. So if our listeners are betting everything they own on you, your picks and fading every single pick that I have, we're making millionaires right now. So absolutely, you know, listen to our podcast. You win a lot of money. Just, you know, got to follow the right guy. You know what to do. All right. So with that, we are going to move on to our games here. So, uh, did not have the lines up on my bookie, but we have some projected lines here. So keep in mind that, uh, we are betting on projected lines, and uh, if, if you're betting on, on my bookie or another site later in the week when the lines are up, they're subject to change uh, based on where the lines actually come out. But as it sits right now, the first game uh, Saturday afternoon, Orlando at Birmingham. It's the big game of the week. Uh, the 4-0 Apollo is going up against the 3-1 Iron right now. 
Orlando is favored by four and a half, and the over-under sits at 39 and a half. So, Boz, where do you see this one shaking out? So, my picks this week, I'm an absolute mush city right now. I can't get out of my mind. I just pick the wrong games, and I'm starting to lose it. So, what I did this week is I made my picks, looked at them, and then changed every single pick. I'm going to... I'm. I'm I'm fading myself right here. This is a guaranteed win. So, All right, folks, you hear that? So now you don't have to fade Boz's picks yourself. He's done the job for you and faded his own picks. All you have to do is use his picks now, and, and you'll win millions. So anyway, continue. So my pick in this game, I'm going Birmingham with the plus four and a half, and I'm doing under 39 and a half. That is my pick. Well, not my pick. But that is my submitted pick. <laughs> okay, I, I completely agree with your under. This Birmingham defense is is strong. Uh, Orlando also has a pretty good defense, so Birmingham's not going to put up many points. And uh, Orlando, uh, I don't think that they have enough to, to carry the load against a tough team like this. So I, I think this one stays under. And I like Orlando to win this one with four and a half. I don't see Birmingham putting up enough points to, to keep this one all that close, honestly. Uh, I think Orlando is just that much better than every team in this league. So, Orlando and under. The Saturday night game is Salt Lake at San Diego. The line on that one is Salt Lake minus 2.5. Over, under, set at 38.5. So, Boz, what are your thoughts? So, I trash Salt Lake. They were my no dice. So I'm taking Salt Lake minus two and a half. And I think they're going to come out and they're going to put up a ton of points and they're going to be over on that 38 and a half. So I got Salt Lake minus two and a half over 38.5. Uh, just like I've been saying all, all podcasts. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, I agree with your Salt Lake pick. <laughs> I, I have actually supported them. I, I think that they are a very good team. Uh, and at the end of the day, this comes down to Philip Nelson not being ready to play. So uh, I think without Philip Nelson, this Salt Lake team wins easily. Uh, San Diego is not going to put out many points in this one. Salt Lake not seeing a whole lot from their offense at this point. Uh, you know, not throwing for a whole lot of yards, seeing it more on the defensive side from them. So I see this one being low scoring, and I'm going with the under 38 and a half. Saturday afternoon game, Memphis Express at our Atlanta Legends. We have Atlanta favored by one with the over-under line set at 39. Interesting that Atlanta is favored. Boz, what do you think about that? Um, so this actually I was a little bit tossed up on. Uh, you know, Menberger's playing a great game. It, I'm, and I have to go Atlanta minus one. Uh, again, and it, I've been loving these unders too. They're actually 12 and four on the season, uh, and I'm going over. So I have to go against my picks. I hate doing this. Atlanta minus one over 39. It's Lock for your it own good, boss. It's for I your know. own good. I know. Uh, I, so I, I'm going to disagree with you there. I think Memphis wins this one. I think, uh, Atlanta right now is being overvalued after this Arizona Hot Shots win. Uh, I I just don't see it. 
I'm not a huge Murray fan myself after after what I've seen. Uh, what I saw earlier in the season, I think that he can be erratic. He can have some nice games like we saw against Arizona, but I don't think that's typical. I think when you, they go up against a better defense in Memphis, they're going to struggle. Uh, so I think Memphis takes this one. I mean, at minus one, this is basically outright. I think Memphis wins this one outright. Uh, and uh, I'm taking the under as well because I, I don't think Atlanta's going to score very many points. Uh, Sunday night game, San Antonio Commanders at the Arizona Hotshots. The line is still Arizona minus nine, even after the performance last week uh, against the Atlanta Legends at home. Uh, Over-under set at 40. Boz, what do you think? Uh, What I think is San Antonio plus nine and over 40. Um, You know, Arizona's going to come out and they're going to kill it. Uh, so I have to go San Antonio, plus nine, over 40. Boz, this one's for your own good after you said Arizona minus 14 and a half, and then they lost. Oh, they're going to win by 20. They're going to win by 20 this week. Well, I'm going to have to agree with your pick there. San Antonio, this is still a good team. Uh, you know, they have shown some flashes. Uh, their offense has some potential. Uh, their, their defense is decent, uh, not not the greatest, uh, and Arizona is just not putting it together right now. Uh, I think they, I think the Arizona Hotshots play a little bit better on offense. I think they start to turn it around. I don't think that they could really have another performance like they did last weekend. Uh, so I'm going to take the over in this one. These are two, uh, two of the worst defenses in this league. Uh, I think you're going to see some points in this one. So the over-under line at 40 really does not scare me whatsoever. Uh, so I'm taking San Antonio and the over in that one. So uh, so now we're going to go look back at our, our lock and our underdog of the week. So, Boz, why don't you kick us off here? What's your lock for the week? So I'm going as bold as possible right now. I'm going to go with the – you know what? I was so locked on Salt Lake being trash. I'm going Salt Lake minus two and a half. That's my lock. Lock it up. Win some wow. money this week, guys. I thought you were just going to go San Antonio after last week. You locked Arizona. <laughs> I thought you'd just pull the old switcheroo there. Uh, my lock is the over in the Sunday night game, San Antonio, Arizona. These are you know, two struggling defenses. The Arizona offense did not look great last week, but – I think you're going to see that improve. I think this one hits over easily. I think there's going to be a ton of points scored in this one. It's going to be a back-and-forth shootout. Uh, I like the over in that one. That is my lock. Uh, do you have an underdog that you see taking it this week, Boz? Yeah, you know what? In all seriousness, Birmingham come, can come out here, and they can take it over. They are at home. Not a single person is expecting Orlando to to lose this game, but the odds makers do have it at four and a half, so they might have an inside edge here. And Birmingham keeps it close. You know, we haven't seen them them have a a, a a crazy game this whole season. That could just be the bounce of a ball. So you know, if you're looking to win money, and you know, we don't have that money line in front of us right now, but they probably will be of some decent value. They get one bounce on the right side, one stupid play from Orlando. Spurrier does one stupid play just to try to make something happen. 
Birmingham can take this out and, and shock the AAF world. Yeah, you never know. If they're able to get Garrett Gilbert uncomfortable in the pocket, they could just find a way to win this one. Uh, I don't see the offense coming up big enough to, to take down Orlando. Uh, but you make a good point that, that they have a chance in that one. That one's certainly not out of the question for the Birmingham Iron. Uh, my underdog, this one seems too easy, and you're not going to win a whole lot of money on this one, but it's it's Memphis at Atlanta, uh, minus one for Atlanta. That's, that's just uh, – I, I can't even understand that one, to be honest with you. Uh, I don't understand how Atlanta is minus one. I think Memphis is undervalued at this point, uh, and I think Atlanta is being overvalued for their for their game against Arizona. I just think this Arizona team right now is is overvalued in general. The fact that they're still a nine point favorite to San Antonio, which then created Atlanta being a one point favorite over Memphis. I just think the whole thing doesn't add up right now. Arizona's games earlier in the season are being overvalued. Uh, so I'm taking Memphis outright in this Atlanta game easily. I, I think they really take it to the legends, and I think, I think Zach Mettenberger really sends a, a statement out to the league that he's one of the best quarterbacks in this league. He's right up there with Garrett Gilbert. Uh, I think they take that one easily. But if you're looking to be a little bit riskier, uh, I'm also looking at that San Antonio-Arizona game. Uh, minus nine is a huge line for an Arizona team that is struggling a little bit right now. Uh, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that the commanders could take that one. Uh, that's, that's not my underdog of the week. And I, I don't predict them to win this one outright, but I certainly think that the commanders have the ability to win this one outright. So anyway, that, that concludes the majority of our show here. Uh, Boz, do you have any other general thoughts to share about the league or, or any of these games coming up or any last week's game uh, before we sign off here? Nope, I'm changing my luck this week. I'm coming back. I'm going 8-0. We're going to be rejoicing next week, Kevin. It's going to be a great weekend. I agree. It's going to be a great week for the Inside the Alliance podcast. I think we've got a lot of wins coming our way, a lot of money coming our way, hopefully. Uh, so anyway, on that note, thank you everyone for listening. We appreciate your time. Uh, we hope you all enjoy the football this weekend. Uh, we look forward to talking to you next week on our first ever live podcast. You heard that right. Boz is coming back to the Philadelphia area. We are going to have a live in-person podcast. Uh, we are going to potentially have a guest on our show. We'll see how that works out. Uh, but we'll see you at a new time. We'll be recording it on Friday night of next week. So tune in. We look forward to talking to you all then. All right. Have a great weekend, guys. Enjoy the football.